welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast, your on-the-go bite of the food and beverage industry. Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and today I'm once again joined by Kim Berry, the editor of Food and Drink Business and the host of this show. G'day, Kim. How are you doing today? Hello. I'm very well. I'm coming to you from a storeroom in the office. <laughs> yes, it's a new, it's a lovely vista. <laughs> quite different from the, uh, the the exhibition floor from Food Pro that we last caught up. Very different from Food Pro, and quite different from my lounge room. Very. So, you know, bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll manage. <laughs> now, today we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into one of. I would say Australian households favorite foods and favorite product range but we're also going to talk about what it means to look after that title that brand and the responsibility that comes with it. <laughs> we are joined uh, by uh, Bronwyn Chang. She is the head of World Foods uh, Old El Paso at General Mills uh, ANZ. Hi Bronwyn. Hello, Kim. Hi, Grant. Thank you for having me on the show. I do like that title, like Head of World Foods. Oh. I could be like the, you know, Chief Taster of World Foods. I, uh, I know. And sometimes when, you <laughs> know, I, I have to put my title onto something and it gets cut off, it just ends up being I'm Head of the World. That's a, <laughs> a brilliant, a brilliant title. And I do I, get asked, what does that mean? And I'm like, well, I, I just got to have to ask. <laughs> Well, yeah, look, I would just run with that. I would actually go, oh, typo, and then never change it. Um, (laughs) So you look after Old El Paso at General Mills. How long have you been with the company? Um, Yeah, that's correct, Kim. So I've been actually with General Mills, I'm literally about to hit my fourth year anniversary. So joined joined the company just pre-COVID, had six months and then had the joy of doing quite a bit of time, yeah, like most people based in in Melbourne from home, working from home. But, yeah, I've been with the company for four years and loving it. And then you've been in FMCG for a while, haven't you? Because you you were at Kraft Heinz before that. Yes, yes, that's correct. Let, look, let's pretend I'm I'm really young though. So it, it hasn't been oh, yeah. it hasn't been too long. No, it's not it's not that long a yeah. career. But yeah, I, I've definitely um been in the FMCG space um for quite a while. Um I'm kind of passionate foodie. Um I feel like, you know, when you're in that industry you, you do have to you quite a bit of tastings and eating food. So it is always a joy when um you also love and enjoy the products um that you work on. Prior to Old El Paso, um, I was close to 10 years at Kraft Heinz or at the time when I first joined them, um, it was actually Heinz. Um, and so hopefully some people remember and know, we're very familiar with some <laughs> of their their products like ketchup and baked beans. Um, but I've also done a stint working with um, a, a globally recognised French um, dairy company, Lactalis, um, working on their specialty cheese portfolio. So as I said, as a foodie, that that was, you know, a real tough job tasting and sampling yeah. different French cheeses. I, I do have to say that was <laughs> definitely one of my better, yeah, tasting jobs <laughs> I got to do. And so you're telling me that that's pronounced lactalis as opposed to the Australian version of lactalis? 
Kim, you were so spot on. There, there, there was always controversy within the wow. business on how you say it. But because I worked on on their specialty cheese portfolio, it was predominantly my French colleagues, and even I'm probably not quite pr- pronouncing it. They tried to teach me French words, and I'm like, yeah, isn't that isn't that what I'm saying? They're like, no, it's a different word. I'm like, it, it sounds the same to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I will try, but yeah. I'll try. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, this is just out of curiosity and in case, you know, if we have some uh, younger listeners, I guess, who are like, how, I want to do that. I want to I wanna work and market different food products. How did you, how did you get there? We, did you do like a marketing degree or I don't know, did you start on the factory floor? Like what, how did that happen? A great question, Kim. So uh, I know listeners can't see me, but um, I, my heritage is, I, I'm Australian, but um, my heritage is Cantonese. Um, my parents migrated from Hong Kong. So I'm your stereotypical child of first immigrant parents, um, so Asian parents instilled into me, you know, we've come moved over here to give you a good life and, you know, if you get a job, you have to work hard and something that pays well. So very stereotypical upbringing of studying, making sure I got good grades, making sure I can get a decent job, decent job being you're going to be a doctor or an accountant, something in finance, something that basically pays well. Um, so I actually started off my career, I majored in um, economics and finance and actually started off working for one of the big four banks. So my career started off working for the Treasury Department at ANZ. So <laughs> very different, far removed start to um, leading and working on Old El Paso in, in a marketing capacity. So you did, if you're someone young and trying to figure out what you need to do, don't worry. You don't need to know what you want to do when you're 18 and going to studying. If you're passionate about something, I do truly believe you can change career paths um, as long as you kind of follow your passion. And for me, I guess why I always switch, I was always passionate about um, marketing and um, kind of consumer psychology. So in my undergrad, although I majored in economics and finance, I did actually include um, quite a few marketing subjects because I'm like, I need something to balance this out. Okay, I'm good with numbers and I can do it, but it's it's kind of boring to me. But yeah. You know, being being young and having you know loving parents, but very much encouraging, if you could say it that, to follow that kind of finance career path. I I, I did follow that path, but it got to a point where um, when I was working for the banks, they're like, okay, you might need to consider doing more studies, doing a master of applied finance, and I was like oh, my God, I couldn't think of anything worse doing another three to four <laughs> years studying on finance on top of a job. So doing that in my personal time, studying even more, I'm like, no. So I went, okay, what what can I do? What do I love? Sat down and go, I love food. Oh, surely every company's got – there's finance department in, in every business. Surely I can take some of my – transferable um, skills. And yeah, I was then fortunate enough that there was um, a, a finance role available at Heinz and made made the move across into their finance um, department into trade finance. So, supporting the, the sales functions um, with their finances um, at Heinz. And then through working there, 
I absolutely loved the industry um, and the products and kind of never looked back. And I was very fortunate during my time at Heinz. um, I had some really great supportive leaders who I was able to, you know, kind of discuss my passions and talk about, you know, a development plan and they supported me transitioning through. So, yeah, I started there in finance, but I moved into um, a category role. I've moved into account management, um, working with Coles, um, and then finally transitioning into what my love was, which is into a marketing um, role. And they supported me also with studies during my time there. So, worked full-time at Heinz, but studied part-time and completed my MBA and Master of Marketing. I'm not saying you need to do that yeah, if you're transitioning, but um, it was something I was interested in. I wanted to have, you know, more of the, the study and theoretical to support my, you know, on-the-job experience, but you don't, you don't need to do that. That was something that, that worked for me and, and I was fortunate. Um, I had the support of the, the business and my managers and leaders and the organisation to, to make um, that shift. So, yeah. It strikes me that uh, it's, it seems more common in the FMCG space that once, uh, once you're sort of in, in the fold, there, there does seem to be a lot of good opportunities for being mentored and for appreciation of transferring skills into a new a new area. So, I mean, there's there's no deficit to to your financial skills still being in part of you in the role that you're at you're in now. And it's such a good um, you know it's such a good example, or you're such a good example of how you don't have to get stuck. You know, if you if you voice it and if you talk to people and you keep moving, then, yeah, you can you can end up where you sort of want to be or at least where you're yeah, and finding that job satisfaction. Yeah, you're spot on, Kim. I mean, that's something I, I truly personally believe and that's why I, I think I did mention like, you know, if you think about what you're passionate about and what you enjoy, I kind of say this to anyone in my team who or who works with me. At the end of the day, we, we do spend a lot of time at work you spend a lot of your your time and hours working you I'd hope you want to enjoy what you're doing and and working I I I appreciate that you know that's not always the case for everyone sometimes you just you know you need to work to earn a earn a living and that's okay um too but if you want to enjoy what you're doing think about what you're passionate about um I, I love at General Mills when we go through recruitment, we always talk about attitude and behaviour actually over technical skills. We are sometimes more inclined if someone's got the right attitude and behaviour to hire someone based on that, even though on paper they might have all the credentials technically on a specific skills. But if you've got, um, you know, the passion and the right um, uh, behaviours, we, we believe those skills, you can be transferable or you could be taught um, technical things uh, on the job. So, yeah, I, I think it's valuable. But likewise, there are a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of my colleagues um, in the marketing department that have come through a, a very pure started up always in marketing and, and they have just as amazing strengths. And I think it's that diversity in a team of um, skill sets, experiences, and backgrounds that can make a really strong, powerful, you know, high high performing team. You you don't all need to fit into a, a cookie cutter mold. Mm. Yes, you get far more creativity and interest 
Yeah. And it's not and some homogenous. Yeah, not everyone of, being you know, the same. Mm. Okay, so let's uh from from our sort of professional development <laughs> standpoint, let's now move to product. Old El Paso. I remember when Old El Paso launched in Australia. So when was that? We can really reveal my age now. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we have been around since the 80s. Oh, I know, I'm an 80s girl. What can I say? <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it was mid-80s. Yeah, 1984. We, we started off in, yeah, Australia and also in New Zealand. So it's almost been around for 40 years. It's Clearly very popular. The section within the supermarket that has Old El Paso is substantial. And I'm having a bit of a wild guess and and going to ask you if uh, that Old El Paso is the market leader in Australia. Yeah, Kim, look, we are very fortunate. It's such a great brand to work on. Australians love Mexican and they love Old El Paso. So when we ask, you know, a kind of if you if you're a purist marketeer, you know, what's the awareness level um, of Old El Paso? It's over ninety percent. And we always, you know, we consistently talk to consumers to always find, um, you know, how better ways um, we can improve our products and making sure we are offering um, products that consumers and Australians specifically are going to love. And over 90% of people say they are open to eating Mexican food. So there's not too many barriers um, to it. So we've been selling um, Old El Paso products since 1984 um, in Australia, but globally they have been around um, for a lot longer. So, you know, if people were travelling back in the day, they, they might have come across um, Old El Paso products around the world, especially from um, America and kind of where where it originated from. But, yeah, we, we've had the, the joy and pleasure and I, I as the custodian um, of the, the brand have had the joy of kind of continuing to bring that um, to, to consumers um, and, yeah, really retain that market leadership. And as I mentioned, that's, that's through constantly talking to consumers and trying to make sure we're evolving our products to their needs so we're giving them something they're going to value. Yes, because that was going to be one of my questions is that when you've been around for 40 years – there's obviously that consumer awareness and that brand loyalty, but there also there's that real risk that it becomes something that we all know and we all love, but then we stop buying it. <laughs> but even though we think that that's our brand and that's what we do. And so how for a, for a really longstanding brand like Old El Paso, how do you do that? How do you keep the consumer engaged and to keep that sort of um, repeat purchasing happening? Thanks, Kim, for reminding me that business pressure of <laughs> retaining that market leadership because it is, that is one of the things that actually keeps me awake. I don't want to be the marketeer responsible for, you know, ruining or declining and making a bad decision on a, such a loved brand because it is so loved consumers will tell you when you do something that they don't like um, on it. So it, it does come with a bit of um, responsibility. But I guess how we really genuinely try to um, keep that kind of market leadership is by regularly talking to Australian consumers. So although Old El Paso is a global brand, we talk to Australians. We, we may sometimes um, – 
drive scale for from a business perspective and, and launch products that are also launched globally. But we ensure if we make that decision to launch a product that has been potentially developed um, somewhere else around the world, that we ask consumers, is, is that something, um, you know, we ask consumers, is that something that they like and, and will enjoy and is that something they want to eat? At the end of the day, we sell food and food has to taste good. If you want a consumer and someone to eat it and repeat purchase, your product quality has to be really good. And we at General Mills do pride ourselves on um, trying to always make a, a product um, and a food product that, that tastes good. Yeah. And so, uh, so what are, like, how, have you got like a number in terms of we sell this many uh, taco seasoning mixes a year or like what I, that would be that would be fascinating if you did, if you did know that <laughs> funnily Kim you say that so because I am I'm working with my team on um, sort of our our next year's plan and and given my title is the head of world foods for old El Paso you know I, I am kind of needing to take over and dominate the world with Mexican um, <laughs> I, I was doing a little bit of quest, asking my team on questions on actually how, how many tacos do we actually sell you know what the number was I, I was actually very surprised we sell in a year we estimate around 230 million old El Paso tacos each year that's how much we estimate based on our sales how many tacos are actually eaten and our number one product which is hard and soft um, taco kits so some of you might be familiar if you're if you're your children's of the 80s 90s and the ad and our famous line of Pocana los dos why not have both um that that product alone we sell over three million packs a year um so it, okay. it is really yeah three million astounding and, and, have, and we still have more, more there's still headroom for growth like so go out there eat more tacos <laughs> <laughs> Well, we were discussing this before before we hit the record button, but I hadn't used um, – I used to, when my four boys were young, use Old El Paso all the time. Such a fantastic family dinner. It's ready quickly. It tastes great. One of the really big things for me was it's food that that you can build. So when you have when you have four children and when you have four boys, if you want them and they're one of them was I called him the beige eater because that's all he ate for any only beige foods for about eighteen months two years, but kids and little kids love that control if they can build the food that they're going to eat so they can put the meat in on the taco if they can, and so it was just a staple and of course as they've gotten older we haven't used it as much and then the other week I just went oh, I'll do that. Yeah, and as I told you, we went through two kilos of chicken, and like, <laughs> I was just like, because my heavy I did this huge lot. I did this huge lot, thinking, oh, there's some lunches, and I'm like, Kim, listeners are going to think I've paid you to say that. You're, you're basically doing my my job for me, but I just to be clear, I, I haven't. We we haven't paid Kim <laughs> to say that. So. <laughs> Yeah, so interestingly enough, I mean, when we do talk to consumers, that that's kind of literally consistent with what you said at the end of the day, Kim. You and your family are one of our, our key demographics and our, our key consumers. Families love old El Paso and the key things that they always look for is one, ultimately it's food. It's It's got to taste good. The whole family needs to enjoy it. It has to have good value and it's got to be quick and easy. Everyone's time poor. We, we recognise that. So we want to make meal times 
really easy. But what kind of they, – they're kind of what I'd say the really fundamentals of, of a why we think consumers will enjoy it. But what kind of sets Old El Paso apart from, you know, either other meal choices or, or other, you know, potential brands out there um, selling Mexican food is we genuinely bring the fun and joy to the dinner table. Where our products are so versatile within our range, we're constantly innovating. We we last year had um, a few. Sorry, not last year. Gosh, it feels like only last year, but no, it's a few years ago. Um, we we had a major launch of our new innovative product called Tatia Pockets, and that was really trying to help consumers eat Mexican in a more fun, um, joyful way. And that was learnings from consumer research and asking them again, how can we make it even better? But the joy of it is, like you say, anyone can come to the table, whole family, you can customise your meal. So it is one meal, but every person at the table can make it their own. So if someone doesn't like, you know, taco shells, well, you can have a, a soft tortilla taco or if you don't like you know spicy food you you can choose not to put a hot sauce um onto your taco and that's the beauty of it it's it's one meal in a way on the table but everyone can make their own meal themselves and make it customized to their 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 flavor profile and taste yeah and so uh, what and what are consumers how are consumers um tastes changing are you seeing you know what was really popular you know even just a couple of years ago that has now been surpassed by something else or is it are we much more predictable than that Um, unfortunately consumers are a little bit more predictable (laughs) we're we're, we're creatures of habit and 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 routine so at at the core of it our most popular products continue to be our most popular and top selling products. Um, what we say, you know, in, internally um, when we're developing products is, is flavour is at the heart of a Mexican meal um, and, and flavour can be through texture, heat level, um, spices, um, flavour can come in a few different forms. So, that that's the, the, the core of Mexican food. So, our taco spice mix is our top selling spice mix and has been that for a very long time. But in terms of how consumers' um, palates have changed, yes, it, it has. We're fortunate um, in Australia, there's lots of different heritage and, and cultures um, and, and ethnicities, and, and that does um, play a role and influence in um, the types of food we, we consume. So um, right now, some of the key, key trends we're seeing in terms of the evolution of um, the flavour profile is one, people are conscious about health, especially off the back of um, COVID and that health discussion being um, heavily spoken about. So we, we do see this move towards, you know, what we call better for you options. Um, Old Paso at the end of the day is not a diet brand. We're not trying to be a diet brand, but we do like to try and pride ourselves um, that our qualities of our products are as um, clean and as good for you as we can possibly make them without compromising on taste. Um, and so we have just recently launched, for example, um, an extra thin tortilla. So it's our thinnest tortilla yet um, that we've ever launched in Australia. So, you know, if, if you are trying to be conscious of kind of, I guess, how much carbs or calorie intakes um, that you're having, uh, this new extra thin um, tortilla, because it's, it's 
as the name suggests, and I hope hope that's clear from the product name that we've chosen, um, it's thinner, as extra thin than our our normal standard um, regular to tears. And so one unfilled to tear is equivalent to 96 um, calories. And so it enables you to enjoy really more of the filling and enjoy the other, the other things that you can put into your taco without compromising on having a Mexican or taco meal or whatever Mexican cuisine um, you want to have for dinner. I think, you know, this is also, it's about choice, isn't it? And you might have your, as you do, you have your original product and then the, the you know, the many variants that can sort of come off that. Uh, so, Ah, uh, Bronwyn, we know that you're head of the world, but I do understand you're also about to have a budding TV career. Tell us more. What is happening? Oh, well, yeah, Kim, like I said, it's a big title to have not only, you know, that head of the world and world domination, but adding to, to, to my kind of CV, TV appearances and, and, and this now this too, pod, podcast appearances. But oh. uh, no, seriously. Um, yeah, I, I look, I had the pleasure of recently being um, interviewed um, by Kirsten Drysdale. So there's a new kind of um, comedy sit show, skit show coming up on the ABC um, called What? the FAQ and they're, you know, really addressing those hard-hitting life questions from um, viewers and we, we tackled the really tough one of how do you eat a hard taco um, without making a mess? But I won't spoil um, the answer on how, you know, us as the experts in old, old pasties and tacos have answered that question. But if you want to find out how do you eat tacos without making a mess, stay tuned. Um, it will be airing soon <laughs> on the ABC in a few months' um, time. That is, look, you are just a professional, whatever you turn <laughs> your hand to. <laughs> It's been absolutely lovely to have you on today. But before we go, General Mills has a number of other brands, uh, Betty Crocker, Latina Fresh, Nature Valley, and also Huggin' Dust. So you've achieved world domination with Old El Paso. Is there any of those that catch your eye? And then looking across the the office to uh, Huggin' Dust and still going, what next? Oh my gosh, Kim, I do have to say, so personally, so I've always loved Betty Crocker. So even prior to joining General Mills, I was a Betty Crocker um, loyalist with their, their baking mixes. I, you know, I don't necessarily reveal I've used a baking mix when I've baked a cake for, for friends, but <laughs> they're that good. You you wouldn't even know. Um, but uh, they have, we have the pleasure of having an Hagen Dars freezer in our offices where you can help yourself to ice cream. So uh, I may have consumed quite a bit of hard and <laughs> in my time um, with the company. So that's probably one sneaky one I, you know, I've got my eye on as well as part of my world domination. Um, well, but, look at yeah, all that, no, we're, we're all that market research you've been doing. It's all that market research. <laughs> correct, correct. I know exactly <laughs> what's needed there. But, yeah, we're very fortunate at General Mills that we have some really yeah, well-loved um, brands um, yeah, that consumers can enjoy. Well, it's been a delight. We've looked at career paths. We've looked at the joy of representing a, uh, a leading brand, no pressure whatsoever to maintain that position in the market. <laughs> And uh, it's, yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Kim. It's been, yeah, a pleasure chatting to you today. 
Okay, well, thanks, Bronwyn. Thanks, Kim. And of course, thanks to our audience for joining us today, who are possibly now feeling quite as hungry as I am after listening to- Go eat tacos. To, I know, right? And then, and then have some haagen after. Cream, yeah. yeah, put out those fires. <laughs> and then make a Betty Crocker cake for dessert. Oh, exactly. You've got your faces cut. Oh, and have a snack of Nature Valley bars. Uh, if this was video, you'll be seeing a lot more of us on future episodes. But for now, don't forget, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, you can like us on iTunes or your favourite podcatcher, as this helps others discover our show and we'll be back in the not too distant future with another informative discussion but until then have a great day and eat another taco porque no los dos porque no los dos indeed <laughs> you've been listening to the food and drink business podcast produced by southern skies media on behalf of food and drink business owned and published by yaffa media the views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of food and drink business Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via our website or send an email to editor at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's food and beverage industry at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.